0: Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Japanese anime studio studio Ghibli is 33 years old this year. And from Spirited Away to Kiki's Delivery Service, it's responsible for some of the most popular animated films ever made. Film geek Michael Leader has seen all 20-odd of them, but his colleague Jake Cunningham has hardly seen any. So each week they watch one, share their thoughts about it and some interesting facts about how it was made and then rank them all from best to worst. The Ghibliotech is a relaxed but informative consideration of the studio's back catalogue and it coincides with the screening of all the Ghibli films on the English digital TV network Film 4. Here's part of their discussion about many people's favourite, the 1988 film My Neighbour Totoro, with the two presenters joined by the film writer Beth Webb who recently wrote a piece to mark the film's 30th anniversary.
1: So we've got this uh, this lovely opening 30 minutes uh, where we are just exploring the forest and the house and the attic and the well, and that's really lovely. And because it's so nice and you're so wrapped up in the world, you don't really notice the fact that we've only really met the dad and the daughters, mm-hmm. uh, and then we meet the mother mm-hmm. of the family and she's in hospital And that's really the the first kind of narrative point that it locks into.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. As part of the article that I wrote, I spoke to a really fascinating woman called Helen McCarthy who wrote a book about Hayao Miyazaki, um, called Hayao Miyazaki, Master of Japanese Animation. She she really (laughs) knows her stuff. And something that we, we spoke about very briefly is the theme of death that runs through Totoro. And I think it's really interesting to acknowledge that it's, very much a, a theme, but what what she she said to me, and I'll I'll just quote her is it allows death to assume a role in the movie without personalizing or demonizing death, and I just thought that was a, a super interesting point because well, yeah,
3: well, there's that there's that point about halfway about the half an hour in maybe, yeah. so you've had the sort of jaunts around the house and the the garden and everything, and then you find out you know where the mother is, mm. mother's convalescing, and it's a way for the film to acknowledge death and parents' mortality you know and Totoro is this spirit that comes and fills that void um, and it's one of our I mean uh, I don't know if it's a, actually a theme throughout the movies but absent parents absent mothers yeah. we see that in Grave of the Fireflies as well, well and you know, Spirited Away is her being separated outlet. from her yeah. parents it's Something that is there, it's a texture of the film to the point where people, you know, serious critics, adult critics, see it as a darker film than it probably but is. What
1: I think is really impressive is within that first 30 minutes, the world building and feeling for adventure is so rich that you almost don't notice it. So it becomes it's quite a punch when you are taken to the hospital and you actually understand why they've ended up in this house and what the family dynamic is at this point. And so then when you're introduced to Totoro and this just unending joy is brought into the world, it's so lovely. Mm-hmm. That sequence where it's May
3: on the day where her sister's at school and it's her dad like beavering away on whatever scholarly work he's working on and she's she sees one of the little the are smaller, Totoros yeah. darting off through the through the uh, the undergrowth or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and she follows him. It's such a great sequence, yeah. isn't it? One of those we, we talk about these sequences that are just perfect on their own, and this is one of many in this film. And when she finally, as you said, Beth, just clambers up on top of this, I mean, what what is Totoro is the question we want to well, ask, right? Is... What is this guy? Well, <laughs> she
1: says, she just says, "You're totoro as if she she knows mm-hmm. already. Um,
2: that's that's partly what makes this film so fantastic is there's no definitive answer. We could debate this for the rest of the podcast on both a physical level like he's had comparisons to seals owls, trolls but he's furry as well and then when I watched it, I watched it this weekend saw kind of like dog-like mannerisms for the first time and sort of the, the kind of the way that they sort of glance sideways and the, the sort of loyalty. But then also on like a metaphysical level, <laughs> it's been compared to something called Kami, which is like a spirit tied to nature. So, you know, is it tied to the camphor tree? Is it a he? Is it a she? I is know, it a god? Yeah. Is it... <laughs> Is it real or not? I know that Miyazaki encourages you to either, you know, can believe it's a figment of their imagination or it's real. And that's up to you. Although he says that he believes that Totoro is real. I 100% believe he's it's real. real. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, it's like this, in Peter Pan, it. like, would you clap to bring Tinkerbell back kind of thing? Like, do you believe Totoro mm. is real? Do you believe in him? I, I love that. I love how accessible it is, how you can interpret it and project onto it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I think therein lies the magic. It's it's your experience that you're taking away from that. It's your projection.
3: And that's the projection that May's making. Um, you see in the credits at the end well, the, the the line is you're a Totoro when she talks to her sister and says I've met Totoro has it been Totoro like in your storybook mm-hmm. over the closing credits you have these depictions of the family in different moments and there's one where it's the daughters reading a storybook and it seems to be the three billy goats gruff that sort of folk tale fairy tale but on the back cover there's a face that looks just like a Totoro right. mm-hmm. and so there's a suggestion that it's from her storybook and that's the that's the name she ascribes to Totoro
1: I- I read it as at like a totoro in that there. So you have so these a three. Yeah, you have these three little creatures, and their species is totoro, and they are a totoro. And you have the king one, and the blue one, and the white one.
3: Well, design wise, you can see uh, a lineage from. There's a film that uh, Miyazaki worked on with Isataka Satakahata in the early '80s called *Pandago Panda*. Go Panda. And it's a, adventures of a girl with a massive panda who has at least the dimensions of a Totoro. <laughs> right. And his early sketches for what would become Princess Mononoke featured a huge, cuddly. It looks like Totoro with with cat Catbus's face, right? For example. So it's it's interesting. It's such an interesting character to, to dig into. The Catbus, the the nightmare fuel of the <laughs> Catbus.
2: Yes, my brother is absolutely to this day terrified <laughs> to the point where I was watching it last week, and I sent him a a picture of me watching mm-hmm. the cat vest and he was like, why are you watching it? Why, why are you sending me this? He's 26. <laughs> like, he's... He he watches scary films all the time. This is the one that haunts his dreams. Um, it sounds like
3: you're the one that's haunting his dreams. It was
2: this his do. right?
3: But yeah. the cat bus appears in what I think is the absolute standout sequence from this film: the bus stop rain oh, sequence. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: um, Which again, this the sense of the magic in the everyday. Miyazaki just homes in on this one thing, which is standing at a bus stop with an umbrella, with drops of rain from the trees above you landing on the umbrella, yeah. and making funny it's noises. These
1: two girls just waiting to pick up their dad from the bus stop. And he
3: turns it into this beautiful, almost silent short film. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And then the cat bus is one of the great, surreal animated creations. Yes. The fact that the door is part of its body and oh. you're sitting, it makes that noise. <laughs> You've got the sort of mice that are on its eyebrows that are the... the the headlamps (laughs) and
2: that like maniacal grin on its face like it's it's um I can see why he gets upset watching it (laughs) just these all seeing eyes
1: and when we get into the night time and with the cat bus Mm. I think we go back to Joe Hisashi he really lets loose here Uh, the cat bus music is Looney Tunes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um <laughs> and the, the nighttime stuff is when we're getting into that ethereal realm that I think becomes that Spirited Away sound that is, almost becomes a musical trademark for Ghibli. Yeah. Well, and, and also it's, it's that realm of dream and
3: fantasy. Mm. I know, Beth, your, one of your favorite sequences is, is that when they plant the, the seeds in the garden yes. and at night the Totoro's come out and have a little dance
2: They do a little dance, they do a sort of three jumps in a row forward and then you've got to kind of squat down and nestle down and then you've got to do just a big reach, like you've got to really work up a sweat doing it. But it may, I encourage you to go away and do it, because it's really good fun. Especially if you've got younger like family members, go away and teach them to do that. It's a really It makes for a good Sunday afternoon.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and much like you demonstrating that dance to us, I would say that this film is also timeless.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Michael, when we were talking about this film yesterday, you said... My Neighbour Totoro is the perfect Miyazaki film. Yeah. Why is that?
3: I think this is just precision-focused Miyazaki. Um, I, I think all, almost all his feature films have something to recommend them. Uh, that magic is there, present throughout. But this is the one where theme, animation, story, everything, the sense of experimentation and the surreal are all there. I think it all focuses down on that one moment where they tell their dad about Totoro. And he says, oh, he must be the king of the forest. We should go and pay our respects at the shrine. And they find this shrine and they're paying their respects. And there's another shrine that pops up later on in the film when May gets missing. And it's just really deftly, without dialogue, really, or without didactic dialogue, brings together these threads of the magic in the everyday, the beauty of nature, and the sort of the, the natural pantheon of gods and spirits that lie just beyond our realm of understanding and that's one of his messages throughout all his films and this is one that is told so well that a child can understand it and adults too without some of the issues that he'll bring into his later films or his longer films where plot really gets in the way of the enjoyment mm-hmm. or plot really makes things more complicated than it should be and then this sense that this is a film with no clear antagonist no clear structure no clear stakes and but such a sense of wonder and fun. So I mm-hmm. think this is where this is where all of that is chiming at once. Yeah. I'm gonna take a wild guess
1: and say that you like this film. I, I <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so <Stop-like. laughs> Michael Leader. Let's put it on the leaderboard. So we're three episodes in. And so far we have watched Spirited Away, Grave of the Fireflies, and now My Neighbour Totoro. The leaderboard as it stands has Grave of the Fireflies at number one, Spirited Away at number two. And where is My Neighbour Totoro going to slot
2: in?
3: Well, I think there's only one place it can go, and that is top of the pile. I really think this is the one to beat, the gold standard. Beth, would you say this is gold standard for you?
2: I would say this is absolutely top draw.
3: I think this is, in terms of all films, one of Mm. my favourite.
2: Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. I think, as you say, with that means of timelessness, it doesn't really lend itself to an era. Um, it's clearly a time before now, but, I mean, it could apply to any time. And, as I say, I just love that you're so able to project onto that whatever you like and that Miyazaki is able to create that in such a delightful way. I think, yeah, it's one of my favourite films.
0: I don't know about you, but it just makes me want to go and watch some of those films again. The Ghibliotex episode about My Neighbour Totoro, featuring Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham and Beth Webb.